Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Today, I want to share with you on leader slips. Leader slips, hazards in organizational growth. So let me just start off by talking about leadership development. Leadership development. Now, leadership development is different from leadership training. Training is about tasks. Development is about a person. Training is about what you do it. Development is how you think about what you're going to do. Uh, training is about this is where you're going to stand, this is where you're going to sit, they are going to answer the phone. That's, that's all good training. But development is your attitude. Development is your thought pattern. Development is understanding why do we do what we do. Development is downloading your culture and your DNA. Development. So when I work with organizations, this is what I've found. Most organizations are overtrained and underdeveloped. Overtrained and underdeveloped. Trained to take care of your customer com- complaints, but not developed to understand why you are so frustrated in that phone call or in person. Trained to handle whatever your issue is, but not developed to make you feel good about them handling your issue. Training versus development. But I want to focus on leadership development. So there are three paradigms. One is do it all yourself, but that's too much work. Number two, hire it out, but that is too much money. Number three, develop others, that's too much time. Let's talk about all three of them. Number one is do it all yourself. Ever tried that? You did everything. You did everything. Everything, everything, everything. You open the shop, you close the shop. You start the service, you conclude the service. Uh, you, you did the pickup, you did the delivery. You did, you did everything. But that's too much work. Too much work. Number two is hire it out. But that's too much money. Doesn't matter how big your organization is. You can't keep on hiring. Keep on hiring because hiring is about expenses. You got people, but you got expenses. Therefore, the other side of the ledger, that's the income or whatever sets it off that balances it out, has to actually balance it out. So you, you just can't keep hiring again. Again, I go into organization and you know what their answer is always. Let's hire this person. Let's hire some more. But that's too much money. And finally, it is develop others, but that is too much time. Because development is never a straight line up there. Develop in my life, in your life, our own personal development, isn't it like, like this? Now our valleys go higher and our peaks go higher, but we, we keep finding ways to keep going there. But it takes time. It takes time. Development. And you never get totally developed. Nobody can say, I am totally developed. I am so mature. I am so on top of it. I don't have any more struggles. I got it all handled. Well, 
They can say that, but you know better than that because you know them. So training is task. Development is person. So if you are in any of those three categories, doing it all yourself, too much work. Hiring it out, too much money. Developing others, too much time. Which of those three is the most important? Which of those three can make the most difference? Of course, it's the third one. But it is time, and it is time, and it is time. And then, of course, every one of us has known people that you developed, and as soon as they got developed, they decided to go somewhere else and leave you and your organization. So what happens in organizations when we're developing people is that we are moving people from projects to people. From projects to people. We all started off as what are called functional leaders and ended up being organizational leaders. So in my life, uh, I started off as a janitor, breakfast cook, and dishwasher. As a janitor, my vacuum cleaner, my mop, my bucket never talked back to me. As a breakfast cook, I could get there to the kitchen 4 o'clock in the morning, crack the eggs, make the bacon, the sauces, the biscuits, the gravy, and the grits. I was in charge. As a dishwasher, as long as I had hot water, soaps, and suds, I was able to do that. But when somebody came by and said, hey Sam, you are good at doing this. Can you now also think about supervising this department? Oh, supervising? You know what supervising means? You don't supervise mops and buckets and vacuum cleaners and skillets and pans and pots. You supervise people. Oh, whenever you move somebody from projects to people, you have crossed a major divide. And the challenge is not everybody successfully transitions from projects to people. Somebody might be really, really good at fixing computers, but they may not be the best person to oversee your IT department. Somebody may be really, really good at singing songs on the platform. They've got a wonderful voice, but they may not be the best person to direct your choir. Uh, you may have somebody who can be a great preacher, but not a great pastor. Projects, people. And the conundrum, well, not the conundrum, the, the really difficult part of that is, once you have moved a person from being from projects to people, it's hard for you to take them back. Once you make me in charge of people and supervisor, and now you want to put me back on the vacuum cleaner and breaking eggs in the kitchen, uh, you are demoting me. And that never goes well. Projects, people. So this is what I want to say to you about that. Be careful when moving people. Be careful that just because they're good over projects does not mean they can lead people. I'm talking about leadership development. When developing people, the way you find out if they are a leader is how they deal with people. How they talk to people. Do people respect them? 
Do they earn others with honor? Do they have a way of being a magnet for other people to follow them? Do other people want to be with them? If they have those skills, then you can move them from projects to people. The next thing I want to talk to you about is change versus transition. Change, transition. Change, transition. Two different things. I'm talking about leader slips. Hazards in organizational growth. Change, transition. Change is you just moved something. You just moved somebody. You just moved a program. You just moved a project. An assignment from point A to point B or back from point B to point A. Transition is all the psychological, emotional, relational, energy that goes into making sure that that happens. Uh, so, so change is external, transitions are internal. Change is, uh, if you demoted somebody, that's the change. Transition is all the sympathy factor. Change is you promoted somebody. Transition is everybody's wondering why not me, why not her, why not him, why him, why her. Change is when you brought somebody in to help you. But transition is people who have to be at the other end of it to cooperate with the help. Change, transition. So in my consulting work, I have found this. Leaders spend a good amount of appropriate time working out issues of change. Issues of change. But very few of them actually sit down and write out transitional issues. If we do this, then this will happen, and that will trigger this, that will trigger this person, and then this person gets triggered. This is what they're probably going to do. And they, if they speak to this person, this is what that person's uh, response is going to be. And if this person responds in this way, then that will have a ramification and implication for us there. So finding out what are the transitional issues and working through all of those. Change versus transition. While you're focusing on change, don't dismiss transition. This is what I've found. Change is easy. Transition can kill you. Change is manageable. Transition can create havoc in your organization. <laughs> Somebody who's teaching a class and you brought in an assistant. You did not move them. You did not promote them. You did not demote them. You just brought them ex another helper in the room because you know they need help. Does that change can trigger a whole tsunami of transitions? Change and transition. Number three. So I've talked to you about leadership development. I've talked to you about change versus transition. I want to talk to you about conflict, conflict, conflict. So what is conflict? Conflict is whenever your expectation and reality do not match up. See, absence of conflict does not mean that there's prog progress. In fact, uh, the only, only two kinds of people who don't have conflict, those who are not doing anything 
and those who are dead. So if you're doing something and you're alive, you're going to have conflict. Because you will not please everybody. You will not please everybody. Doesn't matter what you do, you will not please everybody. I'm trying my best in this video to, uh, to communicate leadership, talking about leader slips. And as many of you who will like it, there always be those who will not like. So it is just the whole issue. So what is conflict? Watch me now. If this is expectation, this is reality. If on a piece of paper, on one side of it, you write down expectation. On the other side, you write down reality. Expectation, reality. If this is expectation, this is reality. The distance between expectation and reality is known as conflict. So if I'm leaving my house and my wife asks me, Hey Sam, when will you be back? I said to her, I'm going to be back at 7. 7 in the evening, 7 p.m. I've created what? I've created an expectation. If I'm not home by 8, not home by 9, not home by 10. Do you see where the hands are going? The greater the distance, the greater the conflict. Uh, you go to a restaurant, you order something off the menu. In the picture, it looks amazing. In the description, it looks amazing. And it creates what? An expectation. But when it comes to you, it is different from what you were expecting. And that creates disappointment leading to conflict. Because every conflict sentence will begin with the same two words. I thought. I thought you're going to be home at 7. I thought I ordered this. Police officer, I thought I was doing 35 kilometers or miles per hour. I thought. Every sentence begins with I thought. So, whenever you're doing conflict resolution, what most people do, they try to fix the issue here. They're trying to fix the conflict by dealing with the conflict. But it is not the conflict that is the conflict. It is the expectation and the reality and the distance between them which is creating the conflict. So if you really want to do conflict resolution, you got to go digging back into what was the expectation. What was the expectation? How was that expectation denied, deferred, delayed, disappointed? What happened to that expectation? And unless you deal with the expectation, you will never be able to actually resolve a conflict. You can fix a conflict. You can make it go dormant. You can cover it up. You can distract from the conflict, but you'll never resolve the conflict unless you deal with the expectation. So, when you're dealing with a conflict, there are two things you're going to be dealing with. The what and the who. What happened and who was involved. What and who. As long as you're dealing with a conflict on the what level, I think you can manage it. I think you can make it happen. I think you can get a good handle on that. I think 
as long as you're talking about what, you can agree to disagree. Everything will be cool. As long as you're talking about the what. But when you move from the what to the who, <laughs> you got challenges now. Because what is the issue? Who is the person? And that's where it gets messy. So whenever you're doing conflict resolution, conflict solving, think expectation, what went wrong with expectation? And think about how can I keep this conversation on the what? Because as soon as you leave the what and go to the who, you've got a different conversation going on now. It's a different set of challenges. So I've talked to you about leadership development. I've talked to you about change versus transition. I've talked to you about conflict. And now, let me talk to you about organizational congruence. I'm talking about leader slips, hazards and organizational growth. Organizational congruence says this, that unless your strategy is congruent with your vision, your core, your capacity, your strategies, your vision will never come true. So let me read you a sentence from our notes. In the organizational alignment with the leader's vision and core value, vision is the what, strategy is the how, core values is the why, and capacity is the people, facilities, and finances. So in my hand, I'm holding a bottle of water, a bottle of water. This bottle of water is a small bottle of water. Let me see how much this is. It says it's got eight fluid ounces or 237 milliliters. Is there anything wrong with this bottle? No. Does it still hold water? Yes. Will this bottle ever hold a gallon? No. If I was to try to pour a gallon into this, what would happen to the water? It would spill. Anything wrong with the bottle? No. It just does not have congruence. Does not match up to what we are trying to do. So there are questions we've got to ask ourselves. Here are the questions in this order. What is it we're trying to do? Number one. Why are we trying to do that? Number two. Who is going to be engaged with this? Number three. How are we going to do this? Number four, when are we going to do this? Number five, how much will it cost in people, facilities, finances, time, energy? Number seven, who are we going to be accountable to? And number eight is the evaluation process. How will we know that we are successful? I'm going to give those to you again. If you are to make a grid, like this, starting on the left-hand side, moving to the right. First one is, what are we going to do? You've got to be very clear about the what. I'm talking about organizational congruence because I'm also talking about leader slips, hazard and organizational growth. And the things I'm teaching you may not be necessarily in a book, but they definitely come from many, many, many years of experience working with organizations. You've got to clearly define the what. For example, I'm going to take a low-level example. If you are asking your custodial staff or other people to set up a room for a meeting with tables and chairs 
and you want round tables, not rectangular seminar type tables, guess what you got to do? You got to tell them, I want round tables. What? You got to be clear about, it all starts there. Got to be clear about the what. And then, why are we doing this? Because the why will give you values, the why will give you culture, the why will be the fuel and the energy, the why explains why we're doing what we're going to do. Then who is going to do that? Who is the driver? Who, not who all, but who. Because when who all, see when it becomes everybody's business, it becomes nobody's business. So when you assign it to who all, or you all, you can assure yourself mediocrity. So you got to know who will be in charge. Then how are we going to do this? You got to break it down. Remember earlier I talked about concrete and abstract? You got to break it down to how we're going to do this and when. When puts the time on it. Because if you don't have a when on it, if you don't have a deadline or something, it just won't happen. When. When is a motivator. When can prioritize. When can make things move aside and bring things, other things into focus. When is a very important thing. And then the ubiquitous question, how much? So even when I say how much, our first thought goes through money. You know, money might be the least of your expenses. It is people's time. You'll have to take them off another, another project they're working on to bring over here what they'll have to cheat from. You're talking about facilities, talking about energy, you're talking about relationships, you're talking about distractions, you're talking about money. So don't just focus on money because all of those other items are expenses as well. How much? And then accountable to who? So there's a person who is doing it. Who are they accountable to? There's got to be somebody in the accountability circle that can say, what's happening with this? Why didn't this happen? Oh, you're doing great. Stay ahead of the game. Come on, come on, come on. You're doing it. Uh, somebody who can be your coach, who can be a mentor, who can be your liaison, who can come by and say, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Somebody who is there supporting you in the process. And then the evaluation process. Now, evaluation processes are interesting. Most people who do evaluation processes don't really start with an evaluative grid. So after whatever is happens, then we sit down and say, how was it? Did this happen? Did that happen? And we make subjective outcomes on assessments rather than saying, we're going to be outcomes based. That means before we start something, we're going to set a grid, a template, a report card, a list of expectations that at the end of it, when we do an evaluation, we'll be able to evaluate it against that grid that we created. Organizational congruence. And finally, I want to talk to you about financial management, financial management. Most leaders are not trained financiers. Most senior pastors have no financial training. Now I know a few who do, most don't. 
most university presidents, most deans, most institutional governance people have no financial management experience. Oh, they have experience but no training. Oh, they have training but not necessarily in this. I remember, I remember when I was uh, my first uh, year as the president of a university and our auditors came in, our auditors, you know, the financial people. Before that, I was a pastor. We had a budget, but nothing like this. We had reports, but nothing like this. We had oversight, but not all the accrediting, regulatory, state, federal, financial aid. We didn't have any of I have no, I had no experience, no training. I still remember sitting in front of my auditors the first time, feeling this big. Now, I didn't want them to think that I did not know. But they were speaking a language I did not understand. They were speaking appreciation, depreciation, and, and net assets. And, and I mean, they were just talking about language that I did not understand. I'm saying that most leaders who are in leadership positions also are in financial management positions. But very few leaders in financial management positions are trained, equipped, experienced to deal with ever-growing management needs and finances. So this is what I want to say to you. I'm talking about leader slips, hazards to organizational growth. If you are a leader and you don't know everything you need to know about finances, don't be insecure, don't be threatened. Don't be shy or ashamed. Ask for help. Because management in finances, let me say it another way, mismanagement in finances is the surest way leader slip happens.